So if Allah knows, then what's the point? If Allah knew that that's better for you, then what's the point of all of this worship or any kind of devotion that you show? In fact, forget worship. If you say that Allah is going to do everything and He knows what's best for you and everything, then don't even eat. Don't even go out to work. Just sit back and then just become automatons and Allah will do whatever. That's not the way the world works. So why, why are you attacking dua for? Worship any action that you do. Obviously, there's a reason for why you do those actions. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillahi hamdan kathiran tayyiban mubarakan fih mubarakan alayh. كما يحب ربنا ويرضى جل جلاله وعم نواله والصلاة والسلام على سيد الحبيب المصطفى صلى الله تعالى عليه وعلى آله وصحبه وبارك وسلم تسليما كثيرا إلى يوم الدين أما بعد uh, Two verses we're going to try to look at today inshallah verses uh, 55 and 56 of Surah Al-A'raf أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم ادعوا ربكم تضرعا وخفية إنه لا يحب المعتدين ولا تفسدوا في الأرض بعد إصلاحها وادعوه خوفا وطمعا إن رحمة الله قريب من المحسنين I want to list to you 10 objections of du'a to du'a. I'm not trying to create objections in your mind, but it's just so we get a better understanding of what really du'a is. You know when we make du'a and supplicate to Allah, there are about 10 ob objections that we've compiled together that people say against du'a, that there's no point of making du'a for the following reasons. Okay, Number one, from the perspective of Allah, if what you're intending in your dua, Oh Allah, I... Well, let's just say that, Oh Allah, I'm trying to buy that house. Right? Give that to me. I've been... For the last three months, the agents have been messing me around. Right? Let it come through. You know, it's not difficult. It's not easy to buy a house sometimes because there's just so many parties and they all cause problems. Right? SubhanAllah. Allah make it easy. So... Now, if Allah knows that it's going to occur anyway, or it's not going to occur, then it's going to occur or not occur. If Allah knows it's going to happen, then it's going to happen anyway. So what's the point of you asking? That's one objection. I mean, I mentioned these so that just in case you hear people with these objections. There's no point of asking for something that is necessarily going to occur because Allah knows it's going to occur. So it's going to occur. So why bother asking for it? And if it's not going to occur, then Allah knows it's not going to occur. So then no point asking for it. That's the first objection. I'll answer all of them later. The, whoever's making these objections, they've just got it wrong. They don't understand the nature of dua. I've already explain to you what the real nature of dua is and you should be able to answer all of these objections remember dua is a devotion okay number two if allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from pre-eternity has already decided for something to occur then it's going to occur so they're both really similar one is that allah knows and the other one is allah has already decided from before because allah decides everything from eternity so what's the point of you asking 
And if your dua was going to do something, he, this objection says, and change it, then that means what Allah had intended originally, and your dua is going to change it, then that means that you're causing change in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's will, and that's no good either. Because Allah wills, and He doesn't change His will. Allah never makes a mistake. Allah never does something and says, oh man, I should have done it this way, let me change it. He, knew, he knows what it's going to be like in the future for every decision he's already taken anyway. Like for him, it's all very, very clear. I know that's a bit mind-boggling, but that is what it is. Okay, number three. If what you're asking for, the house, if that's supposed to be good in a, uh, according to the wisdom of Allah, that, yeah, it's something that will be beneficial for you, and according to the wisdom, it's good for you, then... Allah should give it to you anyway because Allah gives you the best for yourself. So why bother asking Him? Allah is not bakhil. Allah is not. Um, Allah is subhanahu wa ta'ala is not miserly. So if He knows something to be good for you anyway, what's the point of you asking? He's going to give it to you anyway, or He should give it to you. And if there's something that Allah, in His wisdom, knows that is bad for you, because if you did move in that area, you'd have this problem and that problem, so He doesn't want you to have it, then. He's not going to, you know, there's no point you asking or not asking. It's not going to happen. Oh Allah, don't um, let me be fired from my work, for example. Number four, dua is different from command, isn't it? A dua is more like a plea, whereas a command is instruction. Do this. Uh, just a side point here. Many of our duas are commands. Do you know that? You know the way that we've been making dua, many of us. We put our hands up, oh Allah, give me this, give me that, give me that, number three, number four, number five, number six, number seven. Right? We basically instruct Allah. And then when it doesn't happen, we get angry. Like, he doesn't answer, what's the point? Allah's not your servant or employee of the day that, here, you know, this is what you need to get done today, and then if you don't, I'm going to get angry with you. That's not what dua is, is it? Dua is a plea to Allah, an expression. <coughs> of our own inability. So people don't understand the nature of dua and then they get angry when Allah doesn't accept the dua. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala takes care of the entire universe and He knows exactly what if He gives you something, what's going to happen. For example, right? let me give you an example. If you get a new car, a simple new car, right? Uh, if nothing else, it's going to be shiny. Like a new car is usually shiny, the paint coat. Even if it's not a new amazing car, is it? it's still going to be shiny. And you put it in, you got a garage and you put it into your garage. Can you hide that car? You can't hide that car, right? You might put it into your garage. You may not want to show off with it. You may not even want people to know about it. But unless you just literally, you know, hide it and bring it inside and leave it there, I don't know what for, but if you're going to drive it. Now, what will be the reactions of your neighbors? One is going to see it and say, oh, mashallah, he's got a new car. Good for him. He needed one. Another one is going to say, how does he get a new car? Why don't I get a new car? Third one is going to say, oh, he's got a new car. That's a good one. Maybe I'll get that as well. Another one is like, why did he get that car for? Aren't these all absolutely logical, rational, possible responses? Can you stop that happening? You can't stop that happening. Everything we do in our life, outwardly, everything has an impact on someone. That's the world we live in. Everything has an impact. The color of this has an impact on you. Everything has an impact. We live in a very, very interconnected quantum world. 
That's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has to decide and decides what's good and what's bad for a person. So if you want something and I want something, and for both of us to have those two things would be a problem, then Allah will not give one of us those one thing. Who's that? I don't know. Allah will compensate instead for something else if I've made the dua. So I've been making dua, you've been making dua. For the same, you know, not for the, maybe for the same thing, or maybe for complementary things or contradictory things or whatever it is. At the end of the day, I hope you're following along, right? It, it's it's going to be a hazard for both of us to have it. Allah knows that. We might not be able to see that, but Allah knows that. So He's going to give one of us and He won't give the other one. He'll compensate me something else. Allah has to do, Allah does it in His own way. Anyway, let's get back to the objections now. So He's saying that dua is very different from order. However, I can't see any difference in what you're doing to Allah when you're making dua. It's like an order. What else is it? Again, do you understand the misunderstanding of dua here? Right? They're not understanding what dua is. That's why they're saying this is an objection. The whole point of dua because dua is just like an order. What's the difference between ordering, instructing and a dua? Number five. Doesn't it look like dua is like you're guiding Allah to what is beneficial for you? Shouldn't he know all of these things already? So when you say, oh Allah, give me this, then you're literally telling him that, oh Allah, that's good for me, so give that to me. Isn't that a problem that you're guiding Allah? Allah is not to be guided. Allah knows best anyway. So what's the point of making dua? Number six, this gets a bit more intricate. He says that, you know, as Muslims, we're supposed to be satisfied with the decree of Allah. Whatever he does, we're supposed to be satisfied with that. So when we're asking for something, isn't that going against being satisfied by how Allah wants us to be? Why are you interrupting that? Why are you getting into that? Just be satisfied with whatever Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has for you anyway. Because a lot of the time people think that there's certain thing that I want that is going to be beneficial for me. But it would actually become big cause of problems for you. Like if you got that particular job at that time, you know, you, you'd, you'd start showing off or, you know, or whatever it is and it'll cause a lot of problems with everybody. So aren't you like advising Allah? So why should dua be right? Number eight, when you do dua, it's like you are focusing your heart in asking Allah for something. Whereas your heart should actually be focused on the remembrance of Allah. Not too selfish gain to ask Him for something. See where they're coming from. Your heart should be filled with the remembrance of Allah rather than selfish, give me that, give me this, give me that. Number nine. There's a hadith of the Prophet ﷺ which says that whoever is occupied, like so busied by my remembrance, Allah says, Allah says that whoever gets so busy with my remembrance that he doesn't even have time to make dua to me. Like he's just doing dhikr all the time that he doesn't have time to raise his hands or ask Allah. He just remember, remember, remembrance. Then I give him the best of what I give anybody who asks. Automatically I'll give him the best. So when you ask Allah, aren't you going against that? So you shouldn't do dua. It's like I'm teaching you bad things here. Right? Okay, and the last one is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows exactly what every human being needs. Like what is my need, what is your need, everybody's need, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has absolute knowledge of it. So wouldn't it be more adab and etiquette that you just stay quiet and leave it to Allah to give us what He wants and not ask Him? Isn't that bad adab to say, I want this Allah, 
even though you know and you should believe that Allah knows best what is for you. In fact, they even give an example of this. They say, Ibrahim salam. you know when they made the fire and then they couldn't throw him in themselves, so they made a catapult to throw him in. As he's flying through the air, the angel comes and says, uh, as soon as he's in the catapult, actually, the angel came and said, call unto your Lord, he'll save you. And Khalil alayhi salam said, Hasbi min su'ali ilmuhu bihali. His knowledge of my state is sufficient for me from asking him. I don't need to ask him, he knows my state. What a high level of tawakkul that is. So they say that the same thing here, you, you should just leave it to Allah. That's why there's no point of making dua, leave it to Allah, it's bad otherwise. Right, does anybody have a response for these 10 objections? Dua is not what you think. Dua is not asking Allah for something like some instruction or some selfish gain. Stop thinking that. Dua is a worship. Dua is an expression of devotion. It's just said in a way of need. That's all. That's the difference. And in fact, all of these questions that you have raised, many of them would apply to any kind of worship, even to your namaz and salat. For example, you could say that if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows that you are going to be successful in the hereafter, because He knows everything from before, then whether you do namaz, whether you pray, whether you give zakat, whether you become the biggest fornicator, you're going to get that. So what's the point of doing worship anyway? If you're going to attack dua like that, well, attack worship like this as well. What's the point of worship, you can say? Same question arises there. So if Allah knows, then what's the point? If Allah knew that that's better for you, then what's the point of all of this worship or any kind of devotion that you show? In fact, forget worship. If you say that Allah is going to do everything and He knows what's best for you and everything, then don't even eat. Don't even go out to work. Just sit back and then just become automatons and Allah will do whatever. That's not the way the world works. So why, why are you attacking dua for? Worship any action that you do. Obviously, there's a reason for why you do those actions. So Allah in this verse tells us the real reason for that. That's why this verse is so important. Allah tells us the reason for dua, the underlying nature of dua and the essence of dua. That's why Allah says, dua well, he doesn't say this is what Allah is saying is that the, this dua the benefit it gives you is to express your humility that you finally recognize that you know although I've got power and capability and influence and I've got arms and feet and money and friends and associates I still need Allah at the end of the day there will come a time when the person who always helps you says I'm too tired today or that I've got my own problems today and I can't help you. Only Allah is there who's always available. And when you finally recognize that, that's when you've really hit the mark. That's when you've got the idea that this is what it really means. I should be thinking like that from before. Even though there's people who can help me, they're just helping me because Allah has enabled them to help me. Otherwise, the real helper is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, who's always available, who's never tired, who's never occupied with somebody else because he's independently can deal with everybody simultaneously at once. So... The, the one, that is one thing. The second thing you understand is that Allah is the mightiest and He is the all-powerful and He has ability over everything. That's why you're calling on to Him. 
that's another recognition in your dua. And subhanallah, isn't that, if you had that in your salat, where you do salat with magnifying your Lord and you fast while thinking of Allah as great, wouldn't your fast be superior to just a normal fast? So if you can get that through dua, then that means you're getting what, you, what you're supposed to be getting through ibadat. Because dua puts you into that state to do that. So, in other words, the person who's making dua, he can't start making dua unless he recognizes that I'm in need of Allah. Otherwise, why would you be calling on to Allah? Just call on your friends or pull the money out of the bank and do what you need with it. Hire somebody. So he recognizes that I need Allah, I can't do it. And he recognizes that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is his God, is his object of worship, and that he will listen to me. Otherwise, why would you do it? So you believe Allah is God and you also believe that he is willing to give me and he can give me and he's got mercy and he's generous. And he has full capability to give me whatever I want. So that's, that, that would be the proper dua. So if you are making a proper dua, you've got multiple things that are incorporated within that. You're recognizing Allah as your Lord, as the one who can give. We're recognizing our own need and our dependency on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and that Allah can give and He will give and He does give and He's generous and so on. Multiple things that you never thought about. Let our du'as be like that. Let our du'as be like that. And with every worship in salah, that's what we're doing. We're supposed to be doing. We're fasting. Why? Because Allah deserves it and we're in need of Him. That's why we fast. Things That would be better than any worship. Because you've got the essence of the worship. So essentially that's what happens. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Ud'u rabbakum wa khufya. Give you a simple example. Let's just say you have gone for a holiday and you brought back a very, very delicate souvenir. A very, very delicate souvenir. It's very shiny, very spine. You've got like a two-year-old, one two-year-old. And when he sees that, he just wants to play with it. But you know that if you give it to him, it's so complicated, it's so sophisticated, he might break it. What do you do? How do you, if he's going to cry, what do, you do with, what do you do with that child? Do you give it to him? Or what do you do? Come on, I need some reaction. Substitute. You give him a? Substitute. You give him a substitute. A cheaper substitute. Like, take this sweet or take, play with this. And they usually, they just, they, they do that, right? Now, are you being bad to them? No, because it's not good. It's not appropriate. In fact, if it's a knife or something sharp, for example, it's harmful. It could be harmful. He doesn't think so, does he? The child's like, that's what I want. No, that's what I want. We know from a higher level that that's wrong for them to have it. So we give them something else. In some cases, we won't give them anything. But when they're older, would we, would we give it to them? We could, right? Same thing with Allah, when we're asking Him for something, when we're making dua, as I said, Allah looks after the whole world, He knows everything what's going to happen and the impact of it. He knows right now this is going to cut you or you're going to mess it up. Let me give you something else instead. That's why the benefit of making dua is that you're going to get something in return. Either Allah will give you what you're asking for, if He, if he knows it to be appropriate, He'll give it to you. And you have to make dua in a way that you think you need it. But then be happy uh, and be satisfied if he doesn't give it with whatever it is. That's our approach. So he might give it to you. Okay, you deserve it. You can have it. 
If he doesn't want to give us that because it's going to be harmful in some way, he'll give us something else instead. And the third option is, he won't give us anything right now, he'll give it to us in the hereafter. And that's supposed to be the best of the options because we really need it down there. And then it says that at that point, we're going to wish that none of our du'as were accepted in the world, that we just carried on and we got all of it in the hereafter because that's our real eternal world for the hereafter. That's the way du'a works. So two things that we learn from here. Number one, don't think Allah is our servant or employee or slave that we just give him a list of instructions. Uh, uh, yeah, you know, I need this and I need that and I need this and then when it doesn't happen when I have the job, you need it. Like, kya fai There's no point, I'm not going to ask in anything. Somebody came the other day said that, you know, I don't want to pray anymore because I don't feel anything in it. Man, many of us don't feel anything in it. But we're just, that's something obligatory. Dua is not obligatory in that sense, but salat is obligatory. You have to work on it. Work on it until you get this focus. And then after that, the salat becomes something. You're just giving up because we haven't made enough of an effort. So may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us the tawfiq. Allahumma anta salam wa minka salam tabarak ya adal jalali wa ikram. Allahumma ya hayyu ya qayyum bi rahmatika nastaghith. Allahumma ya hannan ya mannan. La ilaha illa anta subhanaka inna kunna minal talimin. Allah have mercy on us. Ya Allah have mercy on us. This is a month that you have designed for your mercy, for your forgiveness, for your generosity. You have closed the doors of hellfire. You've opened the doors of paradise. You've locked up the shaitan. Oh Allah, you intend to give. You have set up everything like that. So do not make us the, the, those that are deprived of this. Oh Allah, multiple people, multiple are being... Uh, freed from the hellfire, written as freed from the hellfire at nights of these nights of Ramadan. O oh Allah, make us also be added to these lists. O oh Allah, accept our du'as and uh, teach us the adab. Grant us your love. O oh Allah, allow everything, every relationship of ours with you to be based on love and devotion. O oh Allah, accept all of our little worships that we do. O oh Allah, we ask that you bless us and our the whole entire Muslim community especially those who are suffering today and subjugation that they are, they are experiencing wherever they are. Oh Allah, we ask that you bless us and you bless our families and our progenies until the day of judgment. Oh Allah, we're asking you for, for all of our descendants until the day of judgment that you keep them aright. Oh Allah, that you protect them, that you keep the Qur'an among us. And you keep us associated with the Qur'an and your oneness. And O oh Allah, do not let any of us deviate. O oh Allah, you have given us abundantly so much more than so many others in this world. O oh Allah, we enjoy a lifestyle here of approximately the top 10% of the world's inhabitants. But O oh Allah, we still complain. O oh Allah, we still don't recognize what you have given us compared to so many others in this world. Allow us the recognition of your bounties. O oh Allah, allow us the recognition and the shukr of your bounties. O oh Allah, allow us the recognition, shukr of your bounties. And O oh Allah, do not allow us to use your gifts and bounties to us in a way to disobey you. O oh Allah, with mischief. O oh Allah, make this Ramadan better than any Ramadan before it. O oh Allah, make us closer to you than we've ever been before. O oh Allah, O oh Allah, draw us all close to you. We uh, make an effort. We wake up in the morning. We have good intentions. But O oh Allah, we get distracted. O oh Allah, we get waylaid. We get misled. O oh Allah, keep us on the right track. Grab us by the forelocks and enter us into paradise. O oh Allah, bless all of those who've made these masajid, founded these masajid, 
design these masajid, assist, who assist in this masajid, who contribute to these masjids, who frequent these masjids and keep them, keep, keep them going on until the day of judgment for us to benefit from. And oh Allah uh, uh, bless all of and accept and make easy all the other projects which are happening for the furtherance of your cause and accept us. Subhana rabbika rabbil izzati amma yasifun wa salamun al mursaleen. The point of a lecture is to encourage people to act, to get further, an inspiration, an encouragement, persuasion. The next step is to actually start learning seriously, to read books, to take on a subject of Islam and to understand all the subjects of Islam, at least at their basic level, so that we can become more aware of what our deen wants from us. Uh, and that's why we started uh, Rayyan courses, so that uh, you can actually take organized lectures uh, on demand whenever you have free time especially for example the Islamic Essentials uh, course that we have on there, the Islamic Essentials Certificate, which you take 20 short modules. And at the end of that, inshallah, you will have gotten the, the basics of uh, most of the most important topics in Islam and you'll feel a lot more confident. You don't have to leave lectures behind. You can continue to, leave, uh, you know, to listen to lectures, but you need to have this more sustained study as well. Jazakallah khair and assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.